Well, it's that time again, another episode of the Level Up Grappling Podcast. I'm your host, Ed, along with my co-host, Coach Brian. Coach, how's it going? It's going. It's not raining, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, we did have that weird right? spot of kind of bout of rain. Um, yeah, so first off, just maybe we'll kind of do a real, real quick recap yeah. of all the stuff that's been happening on our it's podcast. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, it's really been a whirlwind, right? Chris Howder, Richard Bressler, Kiko Guerrero, yeah. Drysdale. I mean, Barnett. Wow. <laughs> Javi. Yeah, Javi know. Vasquez, Josh Barnett. Yeah. You know, here's the thing, guys. Oh, yeah. You have to realize all of this, it's like herding cats. Okay. So you have no idea the challenges it takes for us to get these amazing people on because they're amazing, they're successful, and they're busy. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, we just decide, hey, let's have so-and-so on the podcast and then call him up. And he's like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. These people, it's like <laughs> months and months and months in the making where you're constantly yeah. talking to them and getting it going. So um, we're we're very grateful for the patience you guys have all had. And uh yeah in terms of allowing us when you say, okay, so-and-so is coming on, you've been patient. You know, I know people have hit me up and been like, when are they coming? I'm like, dude, it's happening. Don't worry. <laughs> give, give us time. It's happening. But you know, one of the things that's really exciting that I really like is I've noticed quite a few podcasts now trying to copy us, which is so funny. They either try and get the gas <laughs> or they're trying to switch their format a little bit. Cause I listen, I listen to different podcasts. Sorry guys. You're still boring as fuck. Uh, it's just not the same. So, uh, it's interesting to me to hear them try and switch up their dynamic a little bit. I'm like, nah, you're still boring. You're putting me to sleep. You know, their conversation is (laughs) flat and dry. There's nothing, nothing humorous, nothing controversial. It's just whatever it is what it is. Not to say you can't learn something from other podcasts, but I don't think that that's what they're looking to do versus our whole thing is, is like, how are we getting people to the next level? Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean the other. The, I think the other thing is, we don't. We I think we've only maybe prepped one or two guests based on you know from their request, yeah. but beyond that, it's literally. I mean, I'm telling you guys, like first, it's like literally, Coach Brian and I sit here and wait, and for our guests to pop on, and then it's just like, all right, guys, here's how it's going to work. You're going to see five, four, three, two, one go. countdown, and then it's going to start, <laughs> and then we're just going to go. Like literally these, these conversations that we're having are, it's natural. It's organic. I mean, it is as unscripted and raw as it can get because they don't know what we're going to ask them. We don't know what they're going to say. And so, so I, I'll be honest, I'm, I, get, I still get nervous about certain guests on I, outside of the whole fanboy geeking out sort of deal. But like, I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to, and sometimes I'm like staring at coach Brian through the video. Like, and he, I don't know if you've noticed it. I'm just like, Oh, is he going to pick up? Is he going to say something? I hope yeah, he says something. I, I so if him. usually, if you guys hear a lot, if you guys don't hear anything, AKA the long pause in between, it's because we're trying to figure out who's going to say what. Yeah. Um, but I think overall it's been like, I, I think it's, it's just been really fun uncovering things with our guests. Yeah. Right. And discovering something new about them. And I, I, I I'll be very honest, like with, uh, Richard Bressler and I'm going to, I'm going to expose myself on this one is that keep your pants on, keep your pants on. Yeah. (laughs) Is that when I, 
heard, you know, obviously like he was the first student of, of Gracie. I'm just like, I kind of rolled my eyes, you know, obviously having, having been with coach Brian for as long as I'm coming up on a year now, it's been like, you hear Gracie, you're like, okay, but, and, and I, maybe you guys noticed, but in that, in the beginning part of that episode and, and Richard, if you are listening to this, I, I, I do want to send, give you my apologies on this, but it's that, you know, I did come in with this kind of bias against like, okay, it's going to be a Gracie game. I wonder what's going to happen. And I, I remember when coach even texted me of like, Hey, you know, he I was like, who's Richard Bressler. I don't know this. He's like, Oh, it's a Gracie, you know, Horian's first student. Da, da, da. And I was like, is this going to turn into a giant like debate? And he's like, no, 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 no. So, you know, I did have a strong bias going into it, but the more we started talking and I think towards the end of that episode, the, the, the dynamic starts to change a bit where it's like, I, I admit to being, you know, basically having this bias and judgment prior kind of, um, to the conversation. And so I, I, it was a humbling experience for me and I have, I have nothing but, I mean, even, even before the interview, I had nothing but respect for him when I first heard about him. Cause I think every, whether you're Gracie or not, whether you go to a Gracie school or not, it's like, for as much as we may disagree or at least PCI, and level up grappling for as much as we may disagree on certain philosophies, theories, and fundamentals. Um, I, I mean, I personally still have always had a level of respect and just like, I think that was clearly um, articulated really. I, at least I hope it was when we had Robert Drysdale on, yeah. right. That it wasn't just about, Oh, attacking the grace. He's like, no, they accomplished something that if they did not accomplish, we may not have what we have today. And so there's a lot of respect that I do have for them. And yeah, it's like kind of the, it does get fun talking about the the lore, the stories around kind of all of that. But anyway, I think, you know, even with Barnett, with Howder, um, all of our guests, I mean, all the way back to Steve Silvers, right? Mm-hmm. Just like listening to these stories and understanding what can we extract from them? And it's interesting how my thinking has changed over time because like when, when we had Josh Barnett on in the last episode and he's like, if you take the gi off, it's no longer jujitsu. I was like, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> right. You take the gi off and technically basic, you're kind of doing catch. You're doing luta livre, yeah. what you, whatever you want to call it. Brazilian jujitsu is in the gi. I just, I it never really comprehended with me because I always just figured it was a natural transition of, you know, people are doing gi, and then all of a sudden the conversation of gi versus no gi. But yeah, if you're not wearing the gi, are you really just doing jujitsu? I don't. Just, I think it's you know because we've talked about this before. To me, it's like a blanket term. Mm-hmm. I look at it like this, and anybody can argue with me all they want, but I know I'm right on this. It's submission grappling. Okay, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care if you're wearing a thong. I don't care if you're wearing lingerie. I don't care if you're wearing a bathing suit. I don't care if you're wearing a fur coat, kimono. I could care less. It's submission grappling. Either you're wearing it with clothes or without clothes. That's it. It's really that simple. You should not be um, obsessed with it one way or the other because they both have their strong points. They both have benefits, right? If you train with a gi, there's benefits to training with the gi. If you train without a gi, right, there's benefits to training without the gi. We do both. I look at it as equal value. 
That's why at PCI, we have 50-50, right? 50% of our training is in the gi. 50% of our training is without the gi. And there's times where, yeah, if we're doing a tournament and we have something coming up, if it's more gi-based, well, we kind of switch, you know, the live training a little bit to favor gi or no gi, depending on the type of tournament. Yeah. But it shouldn't matter that it shouldn't really matter that much. Um, you know, I look at it, it's all submission grappling. And then you have grappling that doesn't include submissions, which is, you know, Greco folk style, freestyle mm-hmm. wrestling. That's non-submission grappling. So if we kind of just split it up into submission grappling versus non-submission grappling, what can you learn? And then you have ground grappling and stand-up grappling. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we know for a fact that because of the Gracie influence of submission grappling, the Gracie influence in submission grappling that they did not invent. Okay. We should all accept and understand the Gracies did not invent any form of submission grappling. What they did do is they overemphasized the guard in the ground techniques and they virtually eliminated stand-up grappling. That's why you have butt scooters today. That's why you have all this overemphasis in the guard. It's funny how we're getting into this. We had a totally different idea for what the episode was going to be about today. We'll transition, <laughs> okay, we'll transition into okay. it. I, I have a transition okay. into it. Don't worry. So <laughs> if you look at it, break it down into break it down into two categories. It's technically four, but let's let's start with the two basic ones, okay? Submission grappling versus non-submission grappling. They're both forms of grappling. Both are important. Then you have stand-up grappling versus ground grappling. Both are important. As you know, I emphasize, I have a much heavier weight and emphasis on the stand-up grappling because 100% of fights start standing. And I always want to be in the dominant position. So we at PCI have an emphasis on stand-up grappling. Doesn't mean our ground grappling is bad, but if you ask me what's the what is more important, it's always going to be the stand-up grappling. Because if you're a good stand-up grappler and you have basic boxing, you will determine how the fight goes every single time. And trust me, I have seen these guys pretend to do like, oh, look at this great takedown and blah, 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 and the takedowns are horrible. I'm always unfollowing people on Instagram as soon as I see their training and like they're doing these head on double legs and just like really shoddy. They're just allowing their students (laughs) to bend over like they're in some kind of Baptist prayer session. It's just like weird stuff. We call it the Baptist dip. It's like really weird stuff that it's so not conducive to actual fighting. (laughs) that I'm like going, dude, your coach clearly doesn't, these people clearly don't know anything about stand-up grappling. Okay, unfollow, delete, unfollow, delete, unfollow. And I'm not on, I'm honestly not on Instagram that much. That's why if you guys don't like how I post on the PCI page or even the Level Up Grappling page, which that's all Ed, not me, um, it's because we're actually not on Instagram that much. We put stuff, but we're like, oh shit, yeah, we should post again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cause, you know, we have other stuff that we're doing and quite frankly, I'm much more interested in developing my students that are in front of me than putting a bunch of content out there to kind of like make a pissing contest with people. I don't care. 
I'm not going to show anything. Yeah, my cadence is like, I'll just put up a, I'll, I'll be on it. I'll just put a bunch of memes on the stories. And then I'm like silent for like two yeah. weeks. I'm like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> Coach is just like, why didn't, why didn't you put that about the episode? I was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I'm literally, this show is just two guys just so happens to it's be a teacher and the student <laughs> just getting together somehow, at least dedicating to once a week to just talking for an hour or so. I've literally, this is a, this is not even like, Trust me, we're not no Joe Rogan, so. No, maybe one day we'll, we'll get there. Well, well I don't want to be maybe, him maybe, as a person, yeah. but, you know, audience-wise, yeah. you know. Yeah, podcasting-wise. Yeah, so have a full studio, the Level Up Grappling Studio yeah. and Training yes. Center. That's that's the official headquarters of PCI. That's what that's our goal, guys. So if, whoever, if we start a GoFundMe and you guys want to contribute, this is what we're doing. We want to have the <laughs> Level Up Grappling. We're going to have like a dedicated podcast studio slash, slash training center and have yeah. seminars and do all kinds so, of fun stuff. So we have ideas. We have things that we want to do. It's just our vision is there. It's there. It's, it's right in front of us, but we do need the additional funding to get it to happen. So whoever wants to contribute, you can be a silent donor. If you want your name on the building, you can do that too. Just uh, write the check. But if you want the most benefit out of it, Become a student. Yeah, become a student. <laughs> so, yes. um, so with that, then, now here's the transition mm-hmm. into the actual content of the show. <laughs> um, we're talking, actually, it transitions pretty well because you're talking about, again, the submission grappling, yeah. ground grappling, stand-up grappling, all of this. And I think the one thing that you have always emphasized, to me at least, since day one, and every PCI student knows this concept. And I, I hope I'm not giving away too much about PCI. But the question is, why did you lose the position? Yep. Right? You always ask me that. You always ask us all the things. What happened? Why did you lose the position? Why did you lose the position? And when, for some of you guys who've been listening, you already know the answer to this. All PCI students know the answer to this already. Uh, I'll get to it in just a second. One thing I never really paid attention to is how I, how I control my opponent or in essence, also how the opponent controls me. And, and I'm talking about it in, at least for now in a competition setting and really you just even in just sparring and what we, if you guys Think through, let's say, okay, let's just use gi, for example. I know we talked, you know, it's all submission grappling. But if we were to use the gi, for example, what's the one thing, you know, and this is a question for the listeners. What's the one thing that we are constantly doing in the gi? Is grip, is gripping it. Yeah, We're trying to find places to grip it, whether it's the collar, whether it's the, um, the sleeves, whether it's the cuff of the sleeves. And then we take that out. And you also start to take into consideration, okay, fine, let's go into no-gi then. Or just in wrestling, what are we doing? What do we most commonly hear and see? Quote, unquote, wrist fighting. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just trying to grab each other's wrists as if the wrist is some sort of major control point. And it wasn't until I got to PCI that I recognized, and here's the subject of the show, about hand fighting. Not wrist fighting. We're talking about hand fighting. What's the difference? Well, wrist fighting is, I think, what we more commonly see of just everybody grabbing each other's wrists. Wrist and forearm. And the way I would just, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I would describe it in the sense like if you guys were to look at your hand, most people would say, you know, they might say, "No, I'm hand fighting." Well, there's a big difference because I and coach, you tell me if I'm wrong. Again, we're coming from the student point of view. Is that when I see wrist fighting or people going for people's wrists, it's that you may have the thumb, the index finger, and maybe the middle finger wrapping around the wrist, and then the ring finger and pinky and the rest of the hand is just kind of there down towards the bottom portion of the opponent's hand. That's completely different. And if anything, from our point of view, probably useless, I mean, to a point, but fairly useless compared to a, an actual hand fight grip where the way that you taught us was, no, we're going down to the hands. Mm-hmm. What's the point? You grab the wrist, they can, they still use their hands. You grab their hands, you're t- eliminating that. Yeah. So here's the th- to kind of, you know, open the flower a little bit more. People are grabbing above the wrist joint and they think they're hand fighting. And that's that's what you're basically saying. So when you're grabbing above the wrist joint, you're, it's actually your pinky finger is at the wrist joint and then the rest of your hand's above it. But you have access to the hand. The, the hand is still moving or they're grabbing the forearm. I have to correct people on this all the time because everybody naturally is just grabbing the biggest part. But that's not what we want. We want to be below the wrist joint. Okay, so your access point should be at the wrist joint and below, not above the wrist joint. There's no control there. And it's really easy to slip out. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that we're practicing all the time. So this is something that is not emphasized in BJJ at all, especially with the gi, um, because everybody's grabbing the sleeve, the collar, they're holding on for dear life. You have 25-year-old kids that are have arthritis. Um because there's so much movement, there's so much slippage, you know, and I know when we had uh, my buddy, Mike Torin on, you know, the famous judoka, and he's like going, dude, the the hand fight, you shouldn't be stuck so stuck on just that gi grip. You know, this is from a high level judoka saying this, you know, you got to learn how to actually hand fight. It was interesting. I want to bring up this point because not to... Uh, kind of like insult the lapel in the sleeve grip. That's not what I'm doing. But the point is, is is it the most effective for fighting? You know, and, and is it the most effective to get in a dominant position? I used to do a bunch of years, years ago, I did a bunch of privates with Henry Akins, who's uh, one of Hicks and Gracie's black belts. And I was just like, okay, I didn't, I was like, oh, let's just pull the, pull the curtains back here. There's no magic move. What is he doing? And so I felt when I'd be rolling with Henry Akins, number one, it was very catch wrestling, reminiscent of catch wrestling. His positioning, how he emphasized pressure and what he quote unquote learned from Hickson was near identical to what I learned from Billy Robinson. Okay. Number two, and this is why I'm bringing this up, as I said, what, I go, technically what was making Hickson different? He's like, well, the thing that people don't get about what Hickson was doing is Hickson did not ever emphasize the collar and sleeve. He was always 
taking the hand. He was hand fighting and used collar ties. I'm like, oh, so he's doing catch wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing that I learned most from Henry Akins, it had nothing to do with a move, guys. It had nothing to do with a move. It had it reaffirmed that what I was learning in catch was near identical and incredibly complementary to what some people will say, you know, is the legend of legends for representing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Hicks and Gracie, right? His control methods were near identical to catch wrestling control methods. And I go, ah, isn't that interesting? Now, fast forward 20 years, guess who also has near identical control methods to catch wrestling? You ever heard of a guy named Gordon Ryan? All he's doing is catch. They make little modifications here and there, but literally his, his grips, his hand fighting, how he's engaging, it's catch wrestling. So let's kind of open up a little bit with this hand fighting thing. Why is it important, Ed? I'm asking you. (laughs) That's your name. Uh, I mean, the way that I've... uh, See, I'm in one of those little student dilemmas, whether or not this is a loaded question from the teacher or whether you're just asking for my opinion. But personally, for me... I want your realization on it. You've been with me long enough. I want your realization. You've done tournaments, right? So you you competed at a very aggressive tournament against really, really high-level guys. (laughs) real old yeah so why don't you tell me what's uh what's the value of the hand fighting i think the hand fight to me is the is the equalizer um because it's that there's an offense and a defense to it all at the same time uh in the sense of control and at the same time you're removing control from them uh you're able to feel what's going on you're able to manipulate and there, what I feel the most important thing about the hand fight is that if you are dominant in the hand fight, you are going to dominate the fight. Yeah. So the way I always like to say it is whoever wins the hand fight wins the position. Whoever mm-hmm. loses the hand fight loses the position. And so it always starts standing. So mm-hmm. if you do not know how to engage the hand fight properly, and disable your opponent's hands in the standing position, you are in deep trouble. You're going down. Mm -hmm. Or, unless you're Ed, where you're dominating the hand fight and you trip (laughs) over your own feet, then you just fall (laughs) over because the bozo doesn't listen to me in terms of how he should create his stance, has a dominant hand position, is winning the position, and then trips over his own feet and then falls onto the floor. Sorry, I had to do that. I love you. Uh, that's okay. It's okay. Uh, so you you have to work to engage. And so we do these little drills and exercises in in at PCI in terms of how we do these. Like we have these little hand fight drills that we do. It's very similar to Wing Chun and very similar to stuff I did when I was in Hapkido. I didn't learn hand fighting from jiu-jitsu. I learned hand fighting 
well, Billy Robinson, but also Hap Keto. <laughs> That's where I learned it. Actual hand fighting. Because I wasn't doing gi grips in Hap Keto. And there were no gi, there's no gi used in uh, uh, catch wrestling. So that's where I learned the hand fight. And I realized how much it throws people off in jiu-jitsu. In the world of submission grappling, when you start actually hand fighting people, not wrist fighting them, not forearm fighting, not, you know, spider guarding them with their sleeve or whatever. The minute you actually start manipulating their hands, they freak out. That's when people go, oh, the wrist lock's so dirty. It's a dirty move. I'm not telling you have to wrist lock them, but how does a wrist lock work? <laughs> wrist lock isn't, quote, unquote, locking up a wrist. You're manipulating the hand. You're twisting the hand in such a way where it creates pain. It's a hand fight. So I'm not telling you all to go out there and just start wrist locking people. That's not the point. But you should understand hand manipulation to where you should be able to do it blind. You should be able to close your eyes and just stand in front of somebody and be in your good stance and just start working the hand fight, working the hand fight, working the hand fight. Slowly, calmly, until you build up speed. Because that's where your entry gets in. Right. Then that's where a big thing here that we wanted to talk about today. Also, we'll get into a little bit more. This is where transitions become successful. It transition becomes successful off of the hand fight. If I don't have my hands, I cannot pass your guard. If I don't have my hands to engage you, guess what? I can't throw you. So every position, and here's a little secret. You're not going to learn this full um, process without coming to PCI because nobody teaches this besides me. But you also win or lose in the transition based on the hand fight. And yes, you can absolutely prevent cross-side from happening. We have a methodology that prevents people from getting cross-eyed on you and we have transition games that we do and in our transition games that's how you learn the hand fight from every position because our methodology our goal our vision we follow chris howder's rules be the person on top when we are on the bottom yes have a guard you shall not pass how does that happen i have to win the hand fight off the bottom once I win the hand fight off the bottom position, I'm wrestling out to wrestle up. And then once I wrestle up to the top position, I'm pinning you, and that's the end of the day. Then I can isolate for a two-on-one, do whatever the hell I want. I think that's where I, you know, I'm thinking through it, like, because I'm so used to being on my back, I think, just from my time in jiu-jitsu or Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, you know, having... You know, I don't, I definitely do not have the athletic, the athleticism that I need and that I want to move faster. So I always do find myself more or less on my back. But what I do notice is now that I, when I think about it is when, when somebody is trying to pass your guard, 
you, I, I, I did this and I noticed a lot of other people doing it. It's like they're, they're bracing themselves or they're framing on the opponent's body rather than controlling the hands. Right. And so when I think about it, it's like, Oh, okay. Person's in my guard or, you know, whatever it might be. It's all of a sudden it's like, okay, well my hand, one hand might be on their shoulder, pushing them, pushing them up while I'm trying, maybe grabbing a sleeve or, you know, my hands might be on their hips trying to create space or something. I don't know, but it's just like, rarely have I actually taken into consideration until now that even, even in this conversation, as I'm thinking about it, why aren't we going for the hands? And it's, it's, I maybe again, as a white belt, maybe it's a simple concept for others, but for me, I'm just like, wow, if I just take the hands out, they can't pass my guard. I mean, there are probably ways, but that being said, generally speaking, it's like you'd have to have some crazy, funky Instagram technique to do it, and you'd have to allow them to do that. <laughs> but if I don't, if they don't have their hands, they're not going to push the leg out the way. They're not going to move. They they have nothing to work off of except for their feet and their legs to put their weight on, which just means that it's going to be much more clunkier to move around compared to utilizing the hands and the arms to manipulate the opponent. Yes. And so I never even thought, I mean, I always knew like even conceptually, yes, you lose the hand fight, lose the position. Most of it for me was obviously on the stand up side. And it's like, I always knew it was there on the ground, but listening to you talking about it, all of a sudden there's some realization of like, huh? control the hands. <laughs> so, um, I think, yeah, no, that that's interesting for me. And the transition thing is interesting also, um, we'll transition into transitions, but mm-hmm. it's that as you are moving, as you, let's say you have the dominant position, you have control of the hands, you are going to go in. And now in essence, you are transitioning into another position, into another technique, whatever it might be, that moment between that distance between point A and point B, I had always, I was always told that that is probably the most uh, contextually speaking, the most dangerous area to be in, in terms of grappling, or at least in terms of even in catch wrestling is that the, the weakness is found or the opportunities for interruption, the opportunities to lose on the attack on the offense is in the transitions. Yeah. And maybe I'm not wording it correctly, but that time and distance between point A and point B is where it may be the most dangerous. And I think I can understand why, because there's movement, there's transition, there's change, there's, Maybe I'm kind of coming up to my own theory around this. And coach, you let me know if I'm if I'm on the right track. But I think theoretically speaking, it's that in order to make a transition, in order to go from position A to position B, that gap and that distance between means that you have to sacrifice something, become vulnerable for a moment to reestablish dominance. And that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah. So we practice the idea of beating the opponent in the transition. 
So Billy Robinson used to say, you have three doors, shut two, hide behind the third. And so what he means by that is you catch them, you know where they're going to go. And then you beat them. How you beat them is it's, it's your efficiency in transition. And this is something that is not emphasized in BJJ. Uh, it's not discussed. You know, you go to seminars, all people do is just show random moves. When you should really be having a seminar on transitions. You want to get good at submission grappling? You want to be the smoothest, slickest motherfucker you can be in the transition. It's not about how many moves you know. It's not. I'll bring Gordon Ryan up again, you know? Regardless, you know, I'm not a fan of all the steroid use and all that, but it doesn't take away the fact that the dude works his ass off. He's very focused. He's dedicated. You know, he spends way more time than everybody else in really analyzing the transition game, not the move game. He doesn't do a thousand moves, guys. Stop being fooled by going to all these DVDs, videos, and this company, that company is, you're going to spend a thousand dollars on some video to learn all these magic moves. Stop it. Stop. Okay. Sorry. I don't, you don't have to know a million moves. We don't do a million moves. You have to be fluid in transition. You get fluid in transition. You checkmate an opponent every time. We have a, a system, a PCI, it's called reaction mapping. So I'm not going to get into the details of it. You can come to class and learn about it. You can come do a private or you can have me out for a seminar and we'll do a seminar on reaction mapping. But reaction mapping allows you to build smooth transitions and it allows you to dominate in the transition for the next position. When you do that, it enables you to find the weakest pieces of your opponent's game. So that's where you need to be spending your time, not learning moves, having a detailed understanding of the positions and a detailed understanding of how people can transition. Okay. I'm not talking about these cartwheel guys or this weirdo disco stuff, break dancing. I'm not talking about the anomaly people. Let's not talk about the one percenters. You're not going to do that with your body. Sorry. Okay. Let's move past the one percenters. Let's focus on you. Let's focus on the common denominator. Let's focus on our, you always see my post mechanics over attributes. Let's eliminate the attributes. Let's focus on the philosophy of each position. Let's focus on the mechanics. And that starts with hand fighting. Understand the mechanics of the hand fight, where the hand fight actually takes place. Understand what is your transition from one hand fight to the next. What are your entries? What is your movement? What is your timing? And it's not like who's faster. I'm not fast. But I beat people in transitions. Because I'm very comfortable in the timing. It's the, the timing of it all, which is what's key. 
And that's how you become a sophisticated submission grappler. That's why Gordon Ryan is as good as he is. Well, in addition to how much he trains, right? I'm not taking anything mm-hmm. away from the guy. Mm-hmm. But if you watch what he's doing, smothering somebody from the mount is not a magic move. Anybody can learn to do that. How did he get there? He beat them in the transition. He Every time he beats people in a hand fight. When that, that ADCC match, when he sets up that leg lock on Nicky Rod, and Nicky Rod's standing there, he didn't finish it. He just checkmated him out. He tapped. All right, we're good. Because he beat him in that transition. His hand fighting was so good that he was able to lock up that next position because his transition was slick. Slick, slick, slick. Like silicone slick. He got in there. Boom. Done. Even his coach, other people will say, it's not that Gordon Ryan is the most athletic person in the world. He doesn't have those attributes. He's not an attribute-based grappler. He's a transition-based grappler. He's a hand fighter. And he's so he's so precise, laser precise with his hand fight and his transitions that and he's obviously he's doing catch wrestling. <laughs> I'd love for somebody to debate me on that. I'd love for somebody to debate me on that. I don't think they will. Um Barnett last week already agreed with me. So. Uh, that's 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 the key here. Okay, leave the style out of it. Okay, you don't want to talk about who oh, catch wrestling sucks. It's real. It's not real. Blah blah. Okay, fine. Leave it out. What are the components that is making him that much more dominant over his opponents? Hand fighting and transition accessibility. That's it. That's all there is. Him doing an armbar, everybody knows that move, right? He's not doing anything fancy. You know, he's not, I don't know, people do wacky stuff these days. He's not doing anything fancy. Smothering somebody from the top position, right, in the mount, holding their arms up, Mm -hmm. and then just choking them. That's not, there's nothing fancy about it. It's precise. It's laser precision. He got there from mm-hmm. his hand fighting. Hand fight to the transition. He's beating them in the transition every single time. He has a better understanding of how to transition. And this is what we need to practice. Stop with the moves. Stop hiring people for seminars for moves. Hire me for a seminar to work transitions. And I will give you a hand fighting transition seminar like you've never seen before at your school. And you will level up your your game and your students' game tenfold. That's what it is. That's all it is. Secret's out now, Ed. Call now. The secret's out. To book your seminar today. (laughs) (laughs) To learn the secrets of Coach Brian. 949-690-9330. Very simple. Um, that's um, it. That's the transition. Yeah. So one thing that I, I've picked up on over the months that I've been training with you, you know, yeah. Starting with the hand fight into the transitions 
and to put the two together. And I think this was really the essence of, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to compartmentalize it into catch specifically, but it's, it's easier for me to do it that way. I felt that what you were trying to teach me and the, the way that you were always saying things, especially when I first started to kind of emphasize like, Hey, this is how all of this works together is, you know, the transitions lead from one, you know, a to B to C to D to E, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of presented itself to me as chain wrestling, mm-hmm. yes. right? That in essence, there is a purpose and a reason. And like you were saying, there's always three doors to, to work with. And you get to choose which two you're going to shut and which one you're going to hide yep. behind. And the transition to me is, oh, there's two. I think there's two concepts of the transition. There's your transition in which, you know, not getting political, your transition from one position to another. And then there's also the position of the opponent when they're going from one position to Mm -hmm. another. And I think when you're talking about catching somebody in transition, it's not so much that we're trying to attack in our, again, the distance and the gap between point A and B. It's rather that we are already at point B and whoever our, our opponent is going from, you know, E to F and that, that gap in between, that's when we're catching them. That's when we're attacking the transition. And so, but on the other side of it is that by doing all of this, see, I'm, I'm trying to articulate this the best that I can because I see this picture in my head. I see this kind of flow chart, spider web flow cycle thing in my head, but it's hard for me to articulate through words in that it is going from one thing to another to another. And you already have that like you said, the reactionary maps, right? You already have it mapped out because you understand, again, metaphorically or, yeah, metaphorically speaking, the three doors. You already know what you're going to do because if you're going to hide behind, let's just say even say we're not looking at it from the point of view of catching them off guard and by closing two doors, one and hiding behind one door, it's almost like I have three doors available and I'm curious to see maybe what is the opponent going to shut if they, if they might end up shutting one down. So then I already automatically know I'm going to go down door A or C. And then if they shut C, then I've got A and B. And by knowing all of these, you're able to transition from one thing to the next over and over and over again. And all at the same time, and it's like this, it's like this weird thing. Everything happens simultaneously but I can only speak at one thing at a time, but in the sense of you're trying to catch their transitions as much as you are transitioning from one thing to another, from one position to another to, to gain, uh, to gain an, I don't know if gain is the right word, maybe to get to an, to a advantageous position. Well, at least what we're doing, everybody does this differently we are forcing reactions. So when we are doing reaction mapping, we get to the point where we're forcing a particular reaction. We want telegraphed reactions. We don't want um, subtle reactions. I can play off subtle reactions. When you play off subtle reactions, that's a black belt game. 
Um, I'll give you an example of that really quick before I finish <clears throat> my thought, which I'll probably forget it anyways, but that's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I was training with a friend, really, really good black belt, amazing guy. And one time people were watching us at his school and, uh, we were inside. He had me in the cross side position for probably close to 20 minutes. He refused to move. I refused to move because we knew each other's transitions very, very well. He knew that the next step, the next move, whoever transitioned sloppy was going to, was basically going to win, right? That's who was going to win the next, the, the next position. Like he was fighting for dear life. Like he did not want me to move because he knew if I transitioned out, I'd get on top and smash him. Okay. Cause I don't just hold. I, when I do it, I, I have a different pressure game, right? So it's the, the catch stuff. It's like, I hold, he didn't want to move. I didn't want to overreact a particular way because he has this really good spinning arm bar from the top. He's smaller and he's really fast. So I knew that if I reacted a certain way, if I telegraphed reaction a certain way, he would catch the arm bar on me. So we were just content just sitting there for 20 minutes and everyone's like, what is this? <laughs> but they had no idea what we were doing because we were, we were feel, we knew we knew each other's methodology so well and what our next transition was where we were like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're just going to hang here. Isn't that kind of how historically how catch became pro or led into pro yes. wrestling is that because these catch wrestlers were so amazing at what they do. It's like you're saying they know that as soon as somebody gives up or makes a sloppy transition, it's yeah. over. So they would hold each other in a position for like, Hours. Yeah. So you're re- when you imagine this, you're with somebody at the same level as you, and you both have like massive endurance. There's things where you're just going to stalemate because neither of you want to get pinned or submitted. So you're going to stalemate mm-hmm. certain positions, and you're just going to like if you if you're both expert hand fighters and you start standing, there's no guard pulling. You start standing. I could be standing with somebody for 20, 30 minutes before there's a takedown. Happens all the time. I am very confident in my hand fighting, very confident in my stand-up positioning. So if I'm on point, if I'm like paying attention and I'm not just goofing around, but if we're going, good luck getting me down. Right? And I'm not necessarily going to fight because I have a, you know, I have a bad neck and two torn shoulders. So I'm not necessarily fighting for a takedown myself. If I can't get a comfortable entry on my transition, I'm not going to take somebody down if they're at the same level as me. I'm happy to hand fight them and clinch them for 20 minutes. So imagine this. It's 1900, right? It's the turn of the 20th century. And you have two equally gifted and skilled wrestlers amazing hand fights you know they're both good in their stand-up grappling three hours later (laughs) nobody won or it's one fall each right because a lot of times these were best of three falls pin or submit 
and you're sitting in the audience, 5,000, 10,000 people, you're on these wooden benches, it's hot, there's no air conditioning, you're, or you're outside, your ass hurts. Like, when is this going to be over, this match? So you have to make money, you have to keep it entertaining, so we better shorten this up. How are we going to do this? All right, let's make this a five-minute match. You win tonight, tomorrow I'll win when we go to, you know, Kansas City. All right, let's do that. Doesn't diminish the skill of the guys, but at some point you have to feed your family. And like I've, I've said this before in the yeah. podcast, it's known that there have been many predetermined matches in ADCC. Mm. Not that I'm going to get into this now because I'm not going to name names, but it is it is known, at least within inner circles, that have been, there have been many, many predetermined matches and say fixed, right? I said predetermined outcome where there is an agreement behind closed doors. Okay, you win this one. I'll win the next one. Let's split the money 60-40, blah, blah, blah. Okay? Not everything you see is real. That's why I say your eyes will lie. That's why I have my my guys and girls training with their eyes closed. I want you to feel. You want to know how to feel a transition? Close your eyes when you're training. Feel it. Don't look. Your eyes will lie to you. So getting back into this whole transition game, which you were talking about, transition goes into the chain wrestling, right? I'm chaining these things together. I'm not... I'm not chaining necessarily submissions together. There's people that do that. They just do submission chains. They go from armbar to triangle to umaplata. Let's do this. It's the most bullshit thing in the world. Stop your nonsense. <laughs> Get off your back and wrestle. Okay. But there's a yeah. shirt. Ah, dude. <laughs> Get off your back hey, and sh- wrestle. <laughs> We're making it, dude. Shut up. Write it down. <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. I swear to God, if I find it anywhere else and it wasn't printed by us, I'm coming to your school. I'm hunting you down. I'm kicking the shit out of you. (laughs) You heard it here first on the Level Up Grappling Podcast. Copyrighted 2023. (laughs) Get off your back and wrestle. (laughs) Sincerely, PCI and Level Up Grappling. Um, So these transitions, guys, are, are, are so important. So, so important. It's not even funny. And we're not, we're literally not paying attention. We're not paying attention. And nobody's chain wrestling. They're just flopping around. Oh, quick, let me, why? Why are they not chain wrestling? Because people are obsessed with pulling guard. They're obsessed with being in the guard. So they don't transition. They don't chain wrestle. You have to learn how to transition off your back. If you're stuck on your back, you have to learn to transition to a better position. You know, why in God's green earth would you want to stay on your back in a fight? Why? There hasn't been a single person in this podcast that we've talked to. Except for maybe Steve Silvers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Steve, I love you, buddy. <laughs> that would be sitting there and go, you know what? It's so much better to be on your back (laughs) in a fight than on top. That doesn't exist guys. I mean, we've talked about this now. 
people know the guard. People know how to get out of it. People know how to stay out of it. People know how to be present and understand posture so they can hit and engage from the guard in the top position. We call it the Saturday night ride. Top guard position is called the Saturday night ride. Okay. Just so you know, in case you were wondering, Saturday night ride. Um, so why are you not focused on transitioning out of a uh, inferior position? And why are you not focused on transitioning into a dominant position? I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're, okay, the guard, open guard, whatever kind of wizard guard. I don't care what, they, they, keep, they keep changing names on these stupid things. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> From the stand-up, why are you not hand fighting into your transition? The hand fight is an engagement. The hand fight, to me, you want to know something? Can we really unravel this for a sec? To me, the hand fight is sure. a position. It's its own thing. Mm. It's its own entity. Yes, it exists in every position, so I guess technically it's not a position, but the hand fight is its own entity. It's an individual entity, and you have to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your priority for every position is the hand fight. If you don't believe me, watch Gordon Ryan. Stop listening to what he says. Don't watch any instructionals. Watch the matches. You want to know what works? Watch a real fight. Watch Khabib. He's retired. Watch Khabib. Watch George St. Pierre. Watch John Jones. Watch Daniel Cormier. Watch Anderson Silva. If we can look mm. here, here's here's some homework for you guys. Watch Anderson Silva's first match with Chael Sonnen, where Chael Sonnen was literally beating him for 90% of the fight. And Anderson Silva won, I think, the last minute of the match. Hand fighting. Hand fighting. The hand fight won the fight. He was in an inferior position. He was able to transition and hand fight into a submission. Okay? He didn't just magically do it. It was a hand fight. Watch carefully. These are the things you guys need to pay attention to. How these fighting engagements happen and how you set up these 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 transitions. You cannot transition without having a proper hand fight first. Your hands are the key to your destiny. Success or failure on the mat has to do with how well you work your hands. Now, I know somebody out there says, well, I have a cousin's roommate's brother does jujitsu and he doesn't have any hands. (laughs) He just has two stumps. I know there's some asshole out there who's going to say that. I know Stumpy McGee does jujitsu and he's a black belt and he does it without hands. Well, How well does no hands work in a fight? Because I can tell you right now, there's people that did not have successful fights. And they did not use their hands properly. Okay. Well, I even, I even think it from, you know, I've talked to you about this um, from a law enforcement perspective, right now, you know, I'm, I'm not law enforcement, but 
but we have a lot of students that are like you we have a lot of students that yeah are. i mean you just always hear about how you have a lot of law enforcement guys going to bjj and all this and that and but you go to, and you end up at a school where yeah if you are on your back a lot as a law enforcement officer like uh, why would you want to be on your back i assume you would want to be on top right yeah. and that are they working on the transitions to be on top? And if anything, especially the the hand fighting part to me, I figured that would be probably one of the most important things in terms of not only just control, but for your own, you know, officer safety. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think this is a great conversation, especially I, you, we emphasize a lot on the hand yeah. fight at PCI. Um, and it's something that we spend a lot of time going over and it, it's, I, I almost want to say like even stuff about, you know, the collar tie and all this and how we would consider that. I mean, let me ask you that coach, is that actually considered hand fighting or is that more, or is hand fighting literally hand to hand to me? No pun intended. It's hand to hand. <laughs> okay. You know, cause the collar ties a a stand-up position. You're already in yeah, the position. Yeah. I, I have to win the hand fight to get a collar tie. Yeah. So for me, it's, 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 it's interesting how important the, the, the hand fight is and in essence, how effective it is. And as a beginner student, like my biggest problem, and maybe it's a good thing in terms of my development is that again, when I'm hand fighting, I will only focus on the hand fight. Right. And yeah, I, I should develop a kind of this awareness of everything else going on. But and I remember when I was practicing with with Mike in class before the tournament, he was always telling me like, hey, watch the feet, watch this, look at this, be aware of this, feel me, feel, feel what's going on. Right. And it was interesting because if I'm doing a hand fight, all I focus on is the hand fight. And I think that was a bit of a detriment to me when I was up against you know, Rilla Wolf <laughs> at the competition because I was so focused on that, that I never really went in for any kinds of attacks. I never really tried anything. And so, and that's the one thing he was telling me. It's like, Hey, don't be afraid to try things. You know, maybe it's because I didn't know when I had the dominant position, when I had the dominant control, maybe. I don't so know. this is, this and, is where it just takes time to learn mm -hmm. that when you have the hand fight, are you going to be aggressive or are you going to be passive? I hand fight to be aggressive. I hand fight to get inside. Like we've worked hand fight to circle in to get the inside position so you can get an underhook yeah, to throw, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. It's just like, like he was saying to you, it's just like you got to hand fight to get inside. Why are you hand fighting? You're not hand fighting just to play patty cake. Right. We're hand fighting so mm -hmm. that we can get a dominant position. So yeah. hand fight your way to your transition. Then your transition should be compounded with chain wrestling. Right. So step one, step two, step three. This is this is what we're doing. Makes sense. That's where that's where it needs to be. That's really supposed to be your area of focus. It's all. Okay. It's all chain wrestling. At the end of the day, we're doing submission grappling, chain submission grappling, right? Chain wrestling mm -hmm. with submissions. So when you kind of go backwards, what's that word when they're talking about alien spaceships? 
um, reverse engineer. That's what it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when we reverse engineer the chain wrestling of somebody like a Khabib, Nurmagomedov, of a George St. Pierre, of a Javi Vasquez, guys that are like really good, of Josh Barnett, right? My Mount Rushmore there. Uh, he liked that. When you're deconstructing the chain wrestling of these superior fighters, notice I'm not just saying somebody who's just doing an IBJJF tournament. They, they can go kick rocks. Okay. When you're looking at how this chain wrestling in, in deconstructing it, you're reverse engineering this chain, level of chain wrestling. You see what are the key components, how they are successful in the transition, and every transition is some type of hand fight. It initiates with a hand fight. So if you don't have that down, I don't care how many moves you know. You can be the encyclopedia of moves. I don't care how many moves you know. I will beat you in your hand fight. I will beat you in the transition, and I will take a dominant position. Good luck. Say a prayer. It's going to be a long night. That's, again, what is making Gordon Ryan so successful. You don't need to buy a DVD or whatever, the digital download, to understand what gift I just gave you. If you want to send me the $500 instead of him for the video, go right ahead. Send it to us. We can use it. To develop the podcast. I just gave you every, I gave you all the answers free of charge. Okay. <laughs> it was really that simple. <laughs> I'm so nice. Why am I being so generous today? Why? Cause it's like almost Thanksgiving. I, I don't know. Yeah. We're thankful. We're, Hey, speaking of which we are thankful for each and every one of you guys who listens to the yeah. show and follow us on Instagram and on PCI jujitsu. I mean, really without you guys, we would not be here. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, and we always say it, we're just two dudes with two microphones yep. trying to act professional. And but hey, it it's you know this is a this is a passion of ours. It's something that's fun. It's as stressful as it can be at times just to <laughs> to herd the cats Oy. to to get them on yeah. the get uh, on the show. And like we said, it's this is what we do. This is why we do it. And yeah, so if you want to donate five hundred dollars to to Coach and to the Level Up Grappling Podcast and PCI Jiu Jitsu, it's all going to a great yes. cause. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Grapp Evangelists. Yes. You don't have to buy the videos online to learn what I just taught you. Trust me, it's way cheaper to just listen to this podcast, come to class, sign up for our distance learning program. <laughs> pennies pennies on the dollar compared to what you're what you're already paying you don't need all these subscriptions and memberships and blah 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 all this stuff i'm telling you guys are wasting your money total waste of money plus this is like i mean yeah you unless remember. you guys are trying to build out your library and create the the, the submission grappling encyclopedia britannica and for what purpose <laughs> i've bought so many of those videos jay pages was saying like how he has the most I think Jay Pages <laughs> might have the most of anybody. How many does he really watch? Oh, this is like, they all get boring. It's all the same crap over and over and over again. It's like, how many times? Okay, I'm going to lift my ass this way. I'm going to twist this, do that. 17 steps later, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, what? Wait, what is this? Why can't I just grab his ankle, <laughs> pin it to the floor, shin ride that ankle, and just make him scream? 
well, that's not very nice. Yeah, fuck you. It works. <laughs> I'm going to shin ride your ankle. And guess what? That's going to be a lot more effective than whatever you're going to do. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Is what it is. Hate to burst your guy's bubble. Hand fight. Transition. Chain wrestle. Learn this. Learn it from standing. If you don't have it at your school, you have two options. Come to us or get our distance learning program. It's very inexpensive for what you get. You get coaching calls with me, and it's a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun and a lot of humor. And Oh, speaking of which, we have to talk about the Black Friday special, which is basically if you guys sign up for the distance learning program or become a student, this Black Friday only – Free shin rides. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, there's this new special I wasn't aware of. <laughs> yes. No, that's, uh, we got, and just so you guys know, there are more exciting, there's some exciting guests coming on. I told Ed the other day, he was surprised. Very surprised. We have a very, very special, amazing human being and guest that's going to be coming on soon that this person is really interested in coming on. And I think it's going to shock you. We've already had some shocking guests, right? People are like, what, how'd you get yeah. Kiko Larrero on? Okay. Long story, but yeah. How'd you get this person? How'd you yeah. get this person? <laughs> Trust me. One of the angles that we have that I can guarantee you no other grappling podcast has is we have a pipeline, not just of grapplers, but of celebrity grapplers that you would not believe. So just be patient. It's coming. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of cool, interesting people coming on that you guys are going to thoroughly enjoy. And remember, keep the questions coming. Keep the topics coming. If there's something you want to know, ask us. Okay? You can text, call, DM. It's funny. You know, I had a couple people asking. I'm so curious. What are these people talking to you about after the podcast? And it's like, well, I can't really tell you, but here we said this, this, and this. <laughs> That's where I get the question most. It's like, what did they say next? Oh, you wouldn't even want to know. You know, the private <laughs> stuff. It's like, because then all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, you know, I had a conversation with this person after the podcast, which was another 45 minutes or an hour. And this is what we were talking mm-hmm. about. And, you know, sometimes people just want to keep certain things private. But yeah. here's what's interesting I will tell you all this, and we'll leave it on this note because we don't want to be too long winded. It is amazing that people are still in this day and age, which I still understand. There's a lot of sensitive topics out there. How much people agree. There's a lot of agreement behind closed doors and a lot of frustration, mutual frustration behind closed doors that people don't want to talk about in public. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'll I'll say that they don't want to talk about in public because, you know, they don't want to burn bridges they don't want to piss at somebody else off they want to be very careful we're here i'll talk about everything i don't care i'm not about (laughs) it's not about burning bridges but it is about you know a certain degree of exposure and let's just be honest let's all talk about things honestly i think that's important why can't we just be honest with each other you know the gracies didn't invent jujitsu okay next the Gracies took away stand-up. <laughs> you guys are all butt scooters. You know, they didn't invent any moves. Sorry. Who gave them their black belt? Uh, scratch your head on that. Mm. Okay. Oh, wait. It wasn't Maeda? Huh? What? Okay. 
not going down that rabbit hole today. Yeah, that's that's not. another episode <laughs> altogether. I got to get to physical. Oh yes, yeah, so Ed has to my, get to physical my, therapy. My my thumb healing. So quick update on that. Got my pins pulled out. Uh, cast is off, and I'm moving. Um, I was telling coach, a doctor said uh, for three months, no jujitsu, no grappling. Um, not because of the strength it requires, but the the um, the unknown aspect of basically what, what's the word sporadic whatever like you just don't know what's going to happen uh and so drilling would probably be fine but so i made an agreement with my doctor i said all right i'll give you this i'll give you give me a month give me a month i'm going to work really hard at being in recovery uh getting my joints moving again my bones healing and I'm going to get back on the mats and I'm going to drill very carefully. Um, probably won't do a lot of live sparring or anything of that sort. Be very gentle and careful during a uh, dynamic drilling, but you know, focus a lot on the static drilling and I'll say, I'll come back and I'll show you that I'll be all right. <laughs> so, and the doctor agreed to it. And so the month of December and uh, November slash December ish, I'm going to, I've been swinging by to record some videos with coach, but um, which is for distance learning. Um, but beyond that, I probably won't be like fully back on the mats till probably January, but that's not a bad thing in the sense of it's, it's a time for renewal. It's a time for resolution. So with that coach, I think that's, that's it for me. I got to get to PT here and uh, anything from you. www.sanablesports.com forward slash PCI jujitsu for 10% off every time you purchase. Just put in that discount code PCI Jiu-Jitsu on checkout. So you can always have a discount with Sanibel Sports. Outside of that, yeah, we got uh, lots of cool guests coming up. Send us your topics, questions. I love that. Controversies, whatever. You want to talk trash, go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, uh, Chuck said that the Josh Barnett was episode was the best yet. Oh. So, <laughs> Chuck, you'll be on so, soon. Hi, Chuck. Yes, he'll be on soon. To that one. I was going to have him on t- yesterday, but he got tied up. Maybe we'll have him on next week. We'll have him on. All I'll say is this: from what I understand about Chuck, and from what you've told me, and my experience with him, Chuck's a f- fantastic human being. Yeah. But when he comes on the show, everybody needs to have their seatbelts. Oh on. yeah, everybody, all seatbelts must be on. Yeah, Chuck's my <laughs> Chuck's my best friend, my longest training partner. Yeah, we've been in cahoots for like 30 years. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. You know, it'll, uh, we'll see what we can pull out of him. Because you know what he said to me? <laughs> this is what he said, guys. You want to laugh really quick? He says, you know, you can't use my last name. Okay. We won't use your last name on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll just be known as Uncle Chucky, Coach Brian's best friend. Yes. And then we'll be fine with that. So with that, yeah. So with that, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we'll see you guys on the next one.